Well, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that uh, it is dangerous to be out on Lake Erie. That Lake Erie, out of all the great lakes, is probably one of the most dangerous. You have a boat, so you know, Tim, you know. You're out there, for whatever reason they say, being shallow, it, it is a very dangerous lake. The winds pick up, and because it's shallow, somehow or another, I'm, I'm going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. It's shallow, so it, it, the waves can pick up, and there's not as much deep water. I don't know. But it is the, I mean, I've been there. I've been there, and when I was young, a friend of mine, uh, two of us, we bought a boat when I was 16 or 17 years old. We live right on the lake, and so we're out there. And How many of you remember putting your boat in at Neff Road? Neff Road, yeah, my sister knows, yeah. And, and so we put our boat in there, and we were out catching fish, and the waves were like three-footers, and we were catching fish, and the storm was coming, because you can see it. You're out on the lake as flat as can be, and the waves got to be about four foot, but we were still catching fish, and the waves got to be about five feet, and we were still catching fish, and the storm was getting close, and the rain was blowing, and the wind, and so finally we tried to make our way back in, and they were about six-footers or something. Now, here's the thing you got to know. It isn't so much that you fought the wind and the waves out there. Have you ever tried to put a boat on a trailer when the winds are blowing straight sideways at 40 miles an hour? It took, if I remember correct, five or six guys to help every boater get their boat onto the trailer and literally put it up because it was going sideways. It was literally going sideways. And so you think to yourself, how many times would I need to learn that lesson it's in order to really get it? At the top of your notes, I have the phrase, how many times does it take? Pull out your uh, sermon notes there. What are they, pink today? Is that what color they are, pink? Yeah, pink today. And, and, or you can pull out your smartphone. I actually did it just before we started. I pulled out my smartphone. I went to the Bible app, lower right-hand corner, those three little lines, touch that, go to live events, all of the notes are right there, and probably all the scripture references, because you need to turn to Matthew 14 today, either on your phone or in, uh, with your Bible, please make sure you get there, because we're going to talk about it today. How many times does it take to learn a lesson? Well, when the fear factor is there, maybe you learn it a little quicker, but if you don't have a lot of common sense, maybe you don't. Maybe you like fear, and maybe if there's tough consequences and you have to suffer the consequences maybe it doesn't take you as long maybe it takes you longer and i ask myself the question as i know as a christian i'm growing and you're growing and jesus is always trying to teach us lessons of trust and faith how many times does it take me to learn the lesson when i will trust him that's where I'd like to take you today. But before I take you there, before you take a look at this, there's no way that you and I could get the full gist of Matthew 14 and Jesus approaching the boat that the disciples are in unless you take a look at chapter 8. Probably months and possibly a year before what I'm going to read to you today, there was another storm that they came in. You have a couple verses there, but Matthew 8, I'll read a little bit of what you don't have there. There's this furious storm that comes up on the lake. The waves swept over the boat. You know what that's like, Jeff, yeah. The waves swept over the boat. You ever been out there, everybody, you know? And Jesus, he was asleep. How that was happening, I don't know, but verse 26, you know, the disciples, they're going, they're waking up, don't you care about us, we're going to drown. Verse 26, Jesus replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, 
This is key. They ask, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And that is a good question. And lesson after lesson, no matter where you're at in your Christian walk, if you just started your tree, you've got to find out who Jesus is. That's what we're teaching in Bible study on Wednesday and Thursday night. Who is Jesus? And as you discover and as you find out more and more, we're supposed to learn the lessons to trust him. When we read it, to do what he says and to trust him. So we're in Matthew the 14th, and I'd like to maybe just give us some boating lessons slash some faith lessons today. But Matthew 14 has two things that happen before this. Number one, John the Baptist, he's beheaded. He gets his head taken off. His disciples come and take care of the body. Jesus, you know, mourns for him. The second thing that happens is Jesus is teaching and all kinds of people are following. It's getting late in the day and it says that there's 5,000 men, not counting the the wives and the kids. So there's about 10,000 people at least. And oftentimes, you and I hear and read this and we say, you know, Jesus fed 5,000 people and another time he fed 4,000 people. I find it quite interesting that when the disciples come to Jesus and they say, you know, um, these people are going to need something to eat. You need to send them home. And, he, and Jesus says, well, you know, if they're hungry, why don't you give them something to eat? And they're like, what? We couldn't possibly feed them. Jesus clearly says to them, you give them something to eat. Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse 22 and 23. Number one is the danger of stardom. Folks, if, you ever, if you're a boater, you have no idea how many boaters are snobs. They think that they are really it. They could have a little 14-footer with a 25 horse going up and down the river, and they just think that they are it. There's a lot of boaters who are snobbish. You know? And on top of that, if you make a wake in a no-wake zone, the snobbier sailboaters are like, hey, slow down, you're making a wake, you're making my boat rock. And it's just like, you're taking it out in four-foot waves, and you're worried about that much wave? If you don't know it, there's this thought and this... You know, we boaters really think that there's something. And as I take a look at this passage of Scripture, look at verse 22. Immediately after this miracle, everybody, when Jesus said, you give them something to eat, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, is it possible? Is it just possible that Jesus, having told them to feed them, that they might start to take credit? They might start thinking that they're something, almost like a snobby boater. They might start to take, you ever seen Christians do, you ever seen Christians fall that start to, immediately Jesus doesn't let them hang out. He says, and it says he made them get in the boat. I don't know about you, but success really can ruin a person. If if you're successful, you understand and you know you got to stay on guard. Let me ask you this, if you had a child, would you want them to be a child actor or actress? Fame and glory and money, I would not. No, no, I would no way, because that type of thing tends to take it first, first and most in anybody's life to the point that you would lose your faith. I, I, I'd rather my kids be broke and know Jesus than have everything that the world has to offer them. Stardom, fame, call it what you want. Jesus makes them get in the boat and get out of there. He's the one that dismisses them and sends them out of there. The disciples have risen to some type of a fame. 
there's 5,000 people there. They may be able to start to take credit for it. I don't exactly know. I'm speculating a little. I understand that. When Christians start to succeed, I don't have to take this. I don't have to speculate on this. It's best that they get out of there. It's best that they do exactly what you'll see Jesus do in just a minute. If you are in the boat with Jesus, be careful of spiritual success. Be careful. Number two, this is the boat of life, right? This is the boat that everybody's in. This is what the video sang about. Young boaters have a lot to learn. Like I said, I was 15. No, I was 16 or 17, owned a boat. I never gave a thought to the fact that what do you do when you break down? I I had a boat. How much anchor line do you let out if you're in 50 feet of water? Probably about 52 feet. If anybody knows, you got, it's got to be three times as much as how deep you are. I didn't know. Oh, how many life jackets? I didn't know. I was, I was young. I, I, I was just learning my boating life and been learning for a lot of years. I probably haven't learned a lot still. And here's verse 23. After he, Jesus, had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, folks. What is the most important thing to do when you've had a great success spiritually? Get in a boat, get out, get away. Jesus put, but Jesus showed, he went to be alone with the Father. He went to spend some time in prayer to make sure that his success didn't go to his head. He gets out, he gets alone. Later that night, he was there alone. The boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. The wind drove the boat away from the land, far away from Jesus. I had a question for you. Who made the disciples get in the boat knowing the wind was going to push them out? Who who made them? Folks, in our life, whether you're headed, whether you're in a storm, out of a storm, whatever it is, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Jesus knows the storms of life that come. He's on top of it. He's got it. You know, there's probably someone or something or somehow. I don't know what it is. Is there something that is driving you away from Jesus is there someone something a situation someone for and it's just buffeting you and you're getting farther and farther away from Christ or is it drawing you closer to him is it drawing you closer to him you know there's something in life that is against you and me and it's trying to drive us from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ can you identify what it is right now I've been asking the Holy Spirit, hey, can you identify what it is that's trying to drive you? Just putting a little bit of a wedge there. Get alone, do what Jesus did, and talk to the Father about it. Jesus, he's got his eye on us. He knows how far we are from him, and he wants us to come towards him. You're going to see this in a minute. He comes towards the disciples. Number three, mistaken identity. Now, if you're a boater, there's a couple of lights that you want to know. There's a couple of colors you want to know. One's a red one and one's a green one. The red one is port. It's the left side. I have no idea why they say that. And the, other, the green one is starboard. It's on the right-hand side. Now, if a boat is coming at you in the dark or you're trying to get into, into a, a harbor, you better know which is which because if you don't, you will run aground or into something or into a boat itself. Think about it. Red, left side, and every boat has a white light in the back. If you see red and you see white light, you know it's going from the right to the left. That's how you identify the direction of a boat or if you're heading in, harbor. You, you, got, you can't have mistaken identity. Let me think a second. Is green, left, or right? You, you really need to know. 
And here's verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. I, I really want you to hear that today. Jesus went out to them. Whatever it is that may be pushing you farther, Jesus is wanting to come close to you. He went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, second time that word is used, immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Which is exactly what happens to us in life sometimes. We just start to get away from Christ. We start to fear, we start to worry. And I wonder if you can hear Jesus saying to you today, don't worry, don't be afraid, it is I. See, you think to yourself, what is it that's speaking in my mind? I mean, is it me? That's something I'm thinking? Is it the, the devil? Is it Jesus Christ? Because in the water, oftentimes in the waters and in a different place that they were at, traditionally they had this fear that when the wind and the waves really kicked up, it was a demonic storm. And it was going to take you into the water and into a demonic place. On top of being fearful, that's quite possibly exactly what the disciples were thinking. That's why they thought, is it a ghost? You know, is it a, is it a demon? Here's what I do know. Those who don't know how to draw close to Jesus when there's no storm really don't have much of a chance when there is a storm in life. They have no practice. They have no ability to do it. And I do know that that is at some time in time when you come close, but to get through it and to get in it, Jesus is teaching us here, hey, Evan, make sure you're reading the word. When you're in a storm, Make extra time to be in the Word. You want to hear from Him. Make sure you study it with other people. Make sure you're praying to Him about it. Stay close to your Christian family. Christians, and, and make sure church is a priority because this is where we come together. This is when we gather together and God's Spirit is here to bless and to honor and to speak to us. Jesus went out to them. Can you hear that today? Where you're at, however you got here today, for you or for somebody else, Jesus went out to them, and he's coming to you. And he's coming to you. The more storms that we are in, and we discover as we learn life lessons that Jesus rescues us, the easier it becomes to identify him and trust him in the midst of a storm. Number four is a doubtful prayer. A doubtful prayer. When we go out on our boat... We pray as soon as we start heading out. Up the river, somebody in the boat prays. If somebody forgets to pray in our boat, well, somebody will say, hey, we forgot to pray, we didn't pray, and we always pray. We make sure that we have a prayer, and we go out there, we say, Lord, keep us safe. Lord, keep the boat running, let it get back so I don't have to get towed in. And then we have a doubtful prayer that we pray. Lord, could you help us catch some fish? It's, you know, sometimes you do, and it's just like, Lord, you know, just put the fish under our boat so they come, you know, we'll, you know, so we can catch these fish. A little bit of a doubtful prayer. Here is a Peter, and he said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And as I was first going over this with the design team, honestly, I was, I was kind of hard on Peter on this. And the design team, I'm thankful for them. They, they helped me a little bit say, you know, this really isn't a bad request. And as I thought about it and as I prepared this, I thought, you know what? I've done this very thing. Here I am picking on Peter. 
You know, sometimes you just, it's a great prayer, isn't it? Lord, is this you? Sometimes, you know, being my personality, something happens I've been praying about, boom, I jump and find out that wasn't Jesus at all. But it was just me not being patient enough to watch and to look and to see. I've never found it a problem to ask the Lord two or three times, could you please confirm that this is you? When Maria and I got ready to uh, go into ministry and I was having a sense of, Lord, are you calling me into ministry? I asked him several times in several different ways, Lord, is this you calling me? Because I don't want it to be some grandiose idea I have and take my wife and three kids somewhere and not have it be you. That's a good prayer, Peter prayed, and maybe that's where you're at today. Do you notice that Peter didn't wait to find out if it really was Jesus? He just said, okay, here I am. I'm getting in the water, going, you know. And I, there's three things that I would like to suggest to you. I suggest to every Christian, if you're, God is calling you to get out of the boat, we're going to make sure it's Jesus, and we're going to find direction in three ways. Number one, we're going to stay in the Bible. And as we're trying to make a decision on something that we're trying to do or do, we're going to be looking in the Psalms, we're going to look in the book of Proverbs, we're going to be listening to the Spirit as we read to see if he'll guide us. The second thing I would say is, is you're talking to Jesus about it a lot. You're talking to him. You're talking to him, you're praying, say, well, and just express your heart to him. The third thing that is key that I have found out as I was praying and as I was reading the Bible, I went across a passage of Scripture that said, there's wisdom among many advisors or counselors, depending on what you have. So as I was getting ready, I found three people who loved Jesus with all their heart and who would not lie to me, would not butter me up, would not, you know, people who would tell me the truth that I promised that I would listen to. You got some people that aren't just going to make you feel good when you ask them, they'll just tell you the truth? You got some, as I went to every one of those individuals, they didn't know, I was asking questions about this, that, they didn't know what I was at. Every one confirmed what the other one said. Every one of them confirmed. And I was getting ready to make a mistake in regards to something, and they all told me they wouldn't do it. Folks, uh, do we know when it's God that is calling? Do we have the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? For he's calling us, and maybe today, maybe today, he's calling you to get out of a boat, which means he's asking you to do something uncomfortable, which is right where faith exists. If you're not doing anything that's uncomfortable, maybe Jesus is prompting you, you need to share the gospel with somebody. This person needs the gospel. You don't have to go it alone. I put across here some bridge tracks. You can pick one of these up. You can study it. You can look at it. You can help somebody. say, you know, maybe I can't explain it to you that well, but I would like you to read this and see if you have any questions because this is the story of my life. Just do it that way. Get out of the boat. Get out of where it's comfortable. Get out into the water. And so we get out, it means to get to where Jesus really needs me and where Jesus meets me. Number five, a divided eye. A divided eye. I tell everybody that ride, drives the boat that I own or my children or anybody else, when you are in the boat, you're the captain, you're responsible for everything that happens. You're responsible for everybody that gets hurt. Don't come home and say, well, you know, I had the boat run and they didn't know the propeller was turning and they got their leg chopped off. Yeah, that was their fault. No, it's not. It is your fault. You're the captain. 
When we take somebody out, if we're tubing, we all, everybody in my family knows that rope, ropes cut. Your eye has to be on anybody tubing or anything else. A rope gets wrapped around something, yank, it's gone. It may pop your head off like that. And it'll make that sound too, just like that. Nick, go ahead, let it out, buddy. All right? You know, a divided eye boating can be dangerous. You can't have a divided eye spiritually. Look at verse 30. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. Guess what? That's what he said in the boat the last time. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you isn't that where we live sometimes? We get started, we have this sense, we prayed it through, we get moving on the place we're going to go to, we're going to share the gospel with somebody, and it's just like, eh, I, I really hope they're not home today. Been there. Uh, divided eye. You can't be looking at Jesus and looking at the storm. That's what began to happen with him. But look at, but when Peter saw the wind, in the situation that you're in, if, God is call, if you're in a storm or God is calling you to get out of the boat, what's your eye on? Are you staying close to God in the Word? Are you staying close to some Christian friends? Are you staying in church so that God can take and direct you through it? I know sometimes the storms are lasting much longer than you and I are comfortable with, but that's no reason for us to take our eye. We have to keep our eye on because Jesus is calling us to get out of the boat somewhere in our lives and keep an eye on Him may just be there in a storm, heading in or out, or he said, if you're going to get out of the boat, you've got to keep your eye on me. Number six, it's time to worship. It's time to worship. When we go out and come back in, whether we've caught fish or not, at least the Lord has brought us back safely. And most of the time, Jeff, most of the time we get back in safely. I have had to been towed, just so you know, okay? I have had to been towed. And thankfully, the sheriffs were out there, and they towed me in. But we thank the Lord. And if we've caught fish, we probably thank the Lord more. We praise him. We say, it's time to worship. And look at this passage of Scripture, verse 32. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Do you remember the last conversation that they had? They looked at each other and said, who the heck is this guy? They weren't even talking to him. Now, through a time and through a period, through lessons, life lessons and boating lessons and spiritual lessons, they had gotten to the place where they knew who he was and they worshipped him. In our house, when we go through something, when there's something going on or something that says, we'll say it to each other, we'll text each other, you know, it's time to worship. I'm sure sometimes, and my kids have sent it back to me, you're going through a tough time, this, that, 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 you know, it's time to worship. Just like, you know, just, you just want to just reach to the phone and slap somebody. You know, why, why are you using my own words on me, you know? But folks, when is it not time to worship? Sometimes all we want to do is focus on ourselves. And when I say it's time to worship, or one of my family members says, Evan, Dad, it's time to worship, it's like, you know what, doggone it, you're right. It is time. Put everything else aside. Get out your favorite music or open the scriptures or worship the Lord. Walk in, in your backyard. Raise your hands. Let your neighbors think you're crazy because you are. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest thing 
in the lessons and spiritual lessons when we've seen Jesus come through for us so many times and we get back into the next lesson and we get back into the next challenge and he's saying, Evan, get out of the boat and it's just like, it becomes easier. It be, it's supposed to come easier when we learn lessons and it's time for you and me to worship Jesus. I know it's time for some here to get out of the boat and to get into an uncomfortable situation that you will need, need, need Jesus. So in your notes, I put the two words, get in. I know, I'm going a little nuts. I've been saying, get out, get out, get out. But you know what? Could I just say that you need to get in? You know, before you go out on the water, you need to get in the water. You need to evaluate. And spiritually, you need to evaluate. Before you get out on the water, you've you got to evaluate. And I was asked to go with Bill Kanda and his son to go out fishing. And we were supposed to go out to two Saturdays ago, 7 o'clock in the morning, 7 a.m. And they texted me, there's a storm moving through. The storm is moving through, so we let the storm move through. And they assessed that it was okay to go out at 8.30. We went out at 8.30, fished for several hours, came back in, and it literally rained again, poured. We fished in between storms because I trusted the candas. I wanted to fish uh, tr to assess the situation. You can't get out until you get in and assess the situation. And spiritually, it is the exact same thing. As you grow in Christ, see, they've gotten to know, and you get to know, is that storm going to get here? What's the wind direction? Can we go out on a... You, you have this whole assessment. We do a better job than any weatherman you know. Call a fisherman. They do better than any of those guys. We ought to be paid for it. But on the same level with Jesus Christ... Your Christian walk is based on your experience, not with the sun and the waves and the wind and the storms, but on your faith and what Jesus has done for you. How often you have trusted him when he said, trust me here, or when he's called you to do something, to get out of the boat, do something uncomfortable. That is an assessment of where you are at and how are you assessing Jesus. Has he been faithful? Has he helped you in and out of the storm? Because today... You may or may not know, but I, Jesus is calling somebody here to get out of the boat. And probably a lot more than just one person. And here's the crux to what <laughs> the central point uh, that I would like to say to you today, if he put it up there for me, you know, Derek. Obviously, Jesus couldn't swim. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been walking on water. And why, what are you talking about? You see, there's always somebody, no matter what Jesus has done, no matter how many people he's saved, how many people he's healed, there's always somebody that's going to say, eh, Jesus. They, they got a problem with Jesus. They got an excuse for Jesus. He, his, you know Jesus couldn't swim. That, that's why he's walking on water. And I'm going to say to you, if you're one of those people or you're around some people like that, be careful. Because many people find something wrong and the reason to not trust Jesus. To not trust Jesus and to walk by what you know, that's a spiritually boring life. That is spiritually boring. So are you ready to go all in to get out of your boat? Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to get out and forgive whoever it is, you say, I'm never going to forgive them. He's calling you to share with somebody you say, I've shared with them before, they don't deserve it anymore. He's calling us to take a stand 
somewhere in our society for what is right, knowing you will be mocked. He's calling us to humble ourselves, to not trust in ourselves, but to trust in him and his word. So I'm going to close with the eye of the storm. And this video has several pictures that I am praying will Lord Holy Spirit will speak to you. And in your notes, I put a number one with a line. Can I ask you a question as you watch this video, as we close with this? Will you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today? And will you write in there the number one place that he is asking you to get out of the boat? And will you, by faith, let him come to you, you come to him, trust him, put your faith in him, and as this video winds up, goes from the pictures that I'm praying the Holy Spirit will speak to you about, and as you write something in there, it closes with the words from Psalm 23. Though you walk through the shadow of the valley of death, you will fear no evil because I am with you. I'm with you in the storm.